The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, this is Karen, um, co-chair of the Sight and Sound Impaired Committee. Welcome to our second program. This one is on over-the-counter hearing aids, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, First of all, I would like our host to give the CEU code. Good afternoon. I am going to give the CEU codes. I will give the opening one, and I will give it two times. Time. One, the first time. Six, two, two, five, two. The second time. Six, two, two, five, two. Back to you, Karen. Okay. Um... I am going to introduce a fellow committee member, Lori Sharp, who will facilitate this program. Lori, to you. Thank you, Karen. This is Lori speaking. And today we are going to hear from Dr. Carol Hamer from the Helen Keller National Center. She is an audiologist who graduated from Hofstra University in New York. and. Um, has been with Helen Keller National Center, working with people who are deafblind since 2002. And our other presenter today will be Carl Richardson. And Carl is a deafblind consumer who is also a hearing aid user and a member of the ACB Sight and Sound Impaired Committee. And I'm going to turn it over to Carol and Carl, not to make this any more confusing with names that sound so similar. Hi, everyone. This is Carol speaking. Thank you for that introduction. I just want to correct one thing. It is not Dr. Hamer. It is Ms. Hamer. I appreciate the honorific, but I am just Carol Hamer, audiologist, and I'm very happy to be here. Carl, is there anything that you wanted to say before I got started? Just, uh, <clears throat> I'm a lifelong hearing aid user, and um, I bring a different perspective of a person with a dual sensory loss, but I think I'm going to let um, Cal Hamer, who has over 40, uh, 30 years of experience working with people with a dual sensory loss, um, who has a lot more knowledge than I do, talk, and if I have anything to add, I will certainly do so. Thanks, Carl. This is Carol again. And my name sign is the letter C by the ear. So whoever gave the title to this presentation, I have to say, I really, really like it. Because <laughs> it is perfect. Why is it perfect? Because not only is the hearing healthcare industry big business these days, that can be very difficult for consumers to navigate, 
But the song from the movie, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is just so iconic. And music is a big part of so many people's lives. And for individuals who have hearing loss and use hearing devices, the experience of listening to music can be impacted. So, good title. I really appreciate it. Choosing what to do when you have a hearing loss is a really important decision. There are so many options now, and choosing what is best for yourself can really be overwhelming. I receive calls and texts and emails from friends and family members all the time because they themselves just don't know where to begin. Working here at Helen Keller has given me an even more fine-tuned perspective about the use of hearing aids for individuals who do have combined vision and hearing loss. And there's always so many factors to take into consideration when choosing a hearing aid. But when you are blind or have low vision, there are additional factors to consider. Before I get into the specifics, I just want to discuss what the different types of hearing devices are and who over-the-counter hearing aids are intended for. So up until this point in time, hearing aids could only be prescribed by hearing healthcare providers, that is, audiologists or hearing aid dispensers who are licensed in their states. And the hearing devices provided by hearing healthcare providers are known as traditional hearing aids, and they come in a few different styles. So to begin with, I'm just going to review what those styles are. And there are three basic types of traditional hearing aids. We have in the ear, we have behind the ear, and then we have receiver in the ear. With an in-the-ear hearing aid, the entire device sits in the ear. The audiologist takes an ear mold impression and a custom device is made to fit specifically in that person's ear. With a behind-the-ear hearing aid, the hearing aid is worn behind or actually over the ear, and the sound is delivered into the ear with a custom-made ear mold that is connected by a tube to the hearing aid. And then there are receiver-in-the-ear style hearing aids that connect with a thin wire to the earpiece that goes in the ear. The receiver-in-the-ear type 
can also use custom ear molds like a behind the ear, or it can use off-the-shelf rubber ear pieces like you would find on earbuds. Again, the aid itself is worn behind the ear. These devices are programmed by the audiologist, and it might take more than one session to get everything just right. And these hearing aids, prescription hearing aids, can fit all degrees of hearing loss, from mild to profound. Now, I just want to go over the specifics of who the FDA says over-the-counter hearing aids are meant for. The Food and Drug Administration is the organization that oversees over-the-counter hearing aids. And they stipulate that these devices are only for individuals over 18 years old. If someone is under 18, we really want them to be seen by an ear, nose, and throat physician and an audiologist. So if you're over 18 and you have a mild to moderate hearing loss, you're somebody who could benefit from over-the-counter hearing aids. Now, some people might be wondering, what does a person with a mild to moderate hearing loss experience in terms of hearing difficulty? Well, those people might have trouble hearing speech in very noisy places. They might find it difficult to follow speech in a group conversation. A person with a mild to moderate hearing loss might have trouble hearing on the phone. Listening might make them very tired. And they might turn up the volume louder on a TV, radio, or other device so that people in their environment say, you know what, that is way too loud. If a person cannot understand speech, even in a quiet environment, without any background noise, or if they can't hear even very loud sounds, over-the-counter hearing aids are probably not appropriate for these individuals. Their degree of loss is greater than moderate, and the over-the-counter hearing aids would not offer enough amplification to be beneficial. Even if they were wearing those over-the-counter devices, they would still be struggling to hear, and they would still be asking for clarification. And then there are certain conditions where it is really strongly recommended that you seek the advice of a professional because with these following conditions, it's really not safe to fit yourself 
with an over-the-counter hearing aid. So if your ear is an unusual shape or was injured in any way, you should not use an over-the-counter hearing aid without first seeking professional advice. If in the past six months you've had blood, pus, or fluid coming from your ear, you should not use an over-the-counter hearing aid. And I think we're going to do an interpreter switch now. If your ear feels painful or uncomfortable, or if you have a lot of wax or think there is something in your ear, do not go fit yourself with an over-the-counter hearing aid. If you get dizzy or have the feeling of spinning or swaying, or if your hearing changed suddenly in the past six months, please seek professional attention before you go purchase an over-the-counter hearing aid. If your hearing fluctuates or if you have worse hearing in one ear or ringing or buzzing in only one ear, please seek professional advice before you go get an over-the-counter hearing aid. I do think over-the-counter hearing aids can be beneficial for some people. Without adequate hearing, unless you are someone who uses sign language or an alternative communication method, you are not completely involved in what is happening in your world. Without knowing it, you can be missing important information or cues. And this is true for anyone with a hearing loss, regardless of your vision status. And really listening, using active listening skills, is a complicated task. Listening and processing information is very different than just hearing something. And we know that for individuals with combined vision and hearing loss who cannot rely on their vision for getting facial, environmental, or speech cues, it is even more difficult to get that auditory message because you don't have the ability to fill in using your vision For individuals who have a vision loss and then develop a hearing loss, it can be more difficult to deal with than for a person who does not have a vision loss. Our ears do not only help us hear, but they are also an important part of the vestibular system, and that is the system which helps us keep our balance. So hearing loss really can impact more than just your ability to hear. If you think 
you are a candidate for an over-the-counter hearing aid, there are a few things to keep in mind. Some of these devices, you need to use an app on your cell phone or a remote control to be able to control the hearing aids. I know from experience that not all apps are user-friendly for blind individuals. If the app is not accessible to you on your Braille device, how are you going to control the devices if that is the only way to do it? So that's one thing to keep in mind. Is there a return period if you're not happy with the devices? And if there is, is there any is there a complete refund or do you forfeit some of the money? What is the warranty period for the devices? And who is going to help you if you have trouble with the technology? Do they offer customer service? And are those customer service specialists accessible to you with your devices? The next step, if you do get hearing devices over the counter, is to get yourself accustomed to them. This might not happen overnight or over a few days. It might take several days or weeks. Are you going to be able to make necessary adjustments to help yourself get more comfortable? Or are you going to throw up your hands and give up? We don't want that to happen. If you get over-the-counter hearing devices and they're not working out. See if there is an audiologist or hearing aid dispenser who would work with you to try and get those devices more comfortable for you. Depending on your level of visual function, and how long you've had the vision loss, and depending on your hearing loss and how long you have been experiencing that loss, your needs for the hearing aids can vary. For example, if you use your hearing to safely cross a street, you want to be able to hear all that you can and not have the hearing aids be switching and trying to focus on nearby speech because the main intention for hearing aids is to give people better access, not only to their environments, but really better access to communication. And the way hearing aids regardless of the type that they are, the way they function is typically the hearing aid is searching for speech to make 
it easier for you to have conversations. But if you're crossing the street and your hearing aid is switching so that you're no longer hearing the traffic, obviously you're not going to be safe. So working with an audiologist who can help you figure out what are the situations that you're in every day and how can we best adjust the hearing aids so that you can hear in each specific situation, that's something that you really can't get with over-the-counter hearing aids. And much of what audiologists do is really helping people to understand how to address the specific situations that they encounter. If you are somebody who really enjoys walking a lot outside and the sound of the wind is impacting your ability to hear somebody next to you walking how are you and and having a conversation with you how are you going to address that so while over the counter hearing aids can help to bring hearing devices into the hands of more people my concern for individuals who have combined vision and hearing loss is that the situations you encounter can be more taxing and more difficult and really have more specific needs that you might not be able to figure out on your own what is the best way for me to deal with this particular situation? The other very important aspect that many people don't realize is that hearing health is really important for mental health. And unless you're somebody who uses sign language and, and an, or an alternative communication device, you rely on your hearing to help keep you connected with your environment and with everyone around you. And we know now that for individuals who do use hearing aids, those hearing aids can help reduce the risk of dementia. For individuals who have hearing loss that is not addressed, the risk of developing dementia is much greater than for individuals who have hearing loss that is properly addressed with the correct hearing aids. I'd like to now open 
the floor for questions. And Carl, if you have anything that you would like to add, please. Hi, everyone. Um, well, I think at times over-the-counter hearing aids might be appropriate for some individuals as a starter. I think the fact that once you combine the vision loss and the hearing loss, no matter how mild either is, when you combine them both, it becomes fairly significant. And therefore, you do need to work with an individual. I would even get tested even if I was considering over-the-counter hearing aids. I've never been a candidate for those, but even if I was considering those, I would get tested because if you don't get the proper hearing device, you can do more damage to your hearing and make it even worse. Um, you can't custom fit over the counter hearing aid the way you can um, hearing aid to an audiologist. Um, you don't have as much flexible, for instance, my hearing aid. I have Otacon hearing aid, which you pick up background noises that Cal was mentioning so that I can hear traffic when I'm crossing the street. And I purposely switched from another brand that had a different philosophy that concentrated on speech. And while it was great in terms of me recognizing speech, when my vision got worse and I could no longer see traffic. So when you have a dual sensory loss, I think we need more consultants than we do if you do not, if you have just a hearing loss. The other thing is, while yes, going to an audiologist is significantly more expensive than that and over-the-counter, Cal mentioned a couple of things. They are holding my hand throughout the process. You know, I probably go to my audiologist every six months to switch out the tubes in my hearing aid. If my hearing changes, I can, um, I have what's called a lot of headroom in my hearing aid so that they can, um, change the program in my hearing aid if my hearing gets worse. Or if I say, you know, I was in this type of setting and I do need to do this. They can create a specific program within the hearing aid. The audiologist will work with you, and it it it's usually and I get charged no extra. I can see her twenty times over the five years I have a hearing aid, unless I'm buying new stuff or the hearing aids are no longer under warranty. But if 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 it's just routine service, I don't get charged additional. Yes, I'm paying six thousand dollars when I initially buy them, but. I see my audiologist quite a bit because I'm in a high-profile job, a high-visible job, and I no longer have the ability to work a room the way I used to. So I need to hear as much and and get as much information as I can. So, But I'm not saying over-the-counter hearing aids are not for not everybody. I'm just saying because everybody here, I'm assuming, has a dual sensory loss that they have other things to take into consideration that those who do not. Um, and that even if you are a candidate for over-the-counter hearing aids, I would consult with either an audiologist or an ear, nose, and throat doctor to make sure that, because I don't think we should all be self-prescribing, okay? Um, our hearing is too valuable, uh, and you don't want to self-prescribe. And basically, I'm backing up everything Cal said. But I'm telling you, it's a lifelong, and I've gone from one in-the-ear hearing aid when I had what was a more mild hearing aid to two in-the-ear hearing aid to 
do over-the-ear hearing aid for moderate hearing loss, and now I'm wearing two over-the-ear hearing aid for severe hearing loss, and probably, if I get any worse, I'll probably be a candidate for a cochlear implant. But that's just the reality of my situation. But my audiologist has been with me. Well, uh, actually, my first audiologist I had since I was a little boy actually retired. So, uh, you know, so I am with a new one, but they've been through with me through my whole entire journey. And I'll be honest, I had to educate not all all audio, audiologists understand because they are concentrating on speech recognition, speech intelligible, in, intelligibility for people who only hard of hearing. Sometimes you have to remind them, I have a dual sensory loss. My needs are different. And don't be afraid to push and educate them or do some research and challenge them with questions because that's you're paying, you pay the $6,000, then you gotta get your money worth. And I mean, do it in the nice way, do it in the advocacy way, say, listen, this will make a difference so that I can communicate, so I can take part in society, so I can communicate with my wife, so I can, so I can do things. Um, and the other benefit that the over the counter hearing aids are cheaper because they don't have as net technology in them, which is fine for some folks that don't need. But I like having telecoil capability in my hearing aid so that I can wear a loop around my neck to plug in all devices to have a headphone jack. I like the ability to switch between different settings on my hearing aid. So if I go into a noisy restaurant and mute and dampen some of the noises, because at that point I don't hear near to hear traffic. I want to hear speech. You know what I mean? Um I like the ability to have Bluetooth to my iPhone or pair a microphone so that I walk into a conference room. I can put the microphone on a conference table and hear all the speakers around the table because I have a conference-style mic which pairs directly to my hearing aid. You know, um, so these are things. Now, mind you, I'm on the more moderate to severe end, so I have more needs. But I wasn't always there. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying that you shouldn't consider over-the-counter hearing aid, but I would consult with a professional first, okay? And um, that's just my perspective. Thank you. This is Carol speaking, and I see that Rita has a hand raised. Excellent presentation. Uh, Question about um, live listen feature for Apple iOS earbuds, uh, AirPods. Uh Um, Have you had any success with that with, you know, very, you know, mild hearing loss? Have you have you heard that people have reported that that is a potentially viable first start because it's so inexpensive, you know, to start with in terms of, you know, uh, hearing issues for uh, some individuals? Mm -hmm. Thanks for the question, Rita. So this is Carol speaking. And let me just explain for those who might not know, with iPhones, if you have AirPods, there is something called live listen and what that does it turns 
your iPhone into a microphone so that you can leave it in the center of the table and potentially hear your communication partners more easily. I will say, Rita, some people have had success with that. And I do encourage if you find that the AirPods or any of these other what we call hearables, H-E-A-R-A-B-L-E-S, these devices are called hearables and they can help some people. And if it's going to help you for a while, use it for a while. But for other individuals, having an actual Bluetooth microphone might work a little better. And one of the things that Carl was mentioning was that for his hearing aids, he can have a microphone to put in the center of the table. And I would say most of the time, those microphones will be more beneficial than the live listen. Um, the yes. other thing so I, I'd I like... Go ahead, Carl. I just wanted Phil. to say... Uh, sorry, this, Carl, go ahead. I just wanted to add one more thing about Listen Live. Listen Live can also work with hearing it because I can triple-click the button and it does work with my hearing aid. But Listen Live is okay in a pinch if you're in a jam. couple of things, though. Listen Live, if, if the phone hears you talking, it's going to amplify you. So you're going to hear yourself twice while you're talking and while you're, you know, and that can be distracting when you're trying to filter out noise and pay attention to what you're doing. Now, I have used Listen Live if I'm far away from something and I put up, I might put the phone up on a podium and I'm 750 feet away. I have used it in the pinch when I don't have my microphone with me or if I'm sitting too far away. But it's not something I would rely on. Um, and if you're wearing AirPods, you got to remember when you're in air and wearing AirPods, they have a microphone for you to talk for when you're making phone calls and things. So when you're talking, it's going to repeat what you're saying through Listen Live as, as well. So that's just something to be aware of. Bill, go ahead. I was born totally blind, and uh, I was born, uh, I had normal hearing until I became a young adult, and I began this slow uh, process of losing my hearing. So I began wearing hearing aids at the age of 38 and working with audiologists from the beginning. Um, most, mostly inner ear. Uh, several years ago, I, um, started wearing behind the ear, which I found a lot clearer and a lot better for me. But about seven years ago, one of those hearing aids that I had, uh, well, the receiver went out. I never had that happen in hearing in hearing aids before. And so I had to wear just one hearing aid for a little while while it was getting fixed. But I was thinking I was needing to get back up hearing aids. So I went to a department store, found a hearing aid salesman, and, and bought uh, over-the-counter hearing aids. And that was a, well, that was a pretty terrible experience because for one thing, that 
it sounded like whenever I heard somebody speak, it sounded like they were talking through a cup. Or whenever I heard something on the radio or on my computer, it, the voice it would it'd fade in and out. And then when, on the way to work, the traffic would be noisily super low, the subway train super low, speeds high, though. So I had to, I went to this uh, salesman three or four times to have him make adjustments and he had never dealt with someone with a dual sensory loss before and he was always contacting his help desk about this thing so so finally after about the fourth time of going to him i told him well you know i'm not going to come back i'm going to try this adjustment you've made one more time and see what happens well Everything was totally opposite from what it was the first time. He, All the traffic noise was way up, but the speech was way down. So it just got to the point where I just uh, took the uh, hearing aids back to him. And fortunately, it was uh, during this 90-day period where I could try them out. So I did get my money back. But all this took place about a year and a half before I found out that I needed cochlear implants so I guess you could say my experience was not necessarily good or bad, but ugly. <laughs> but do you think that it was maybe my uh, loss was just too far along for an over-the-counter hearing aid? Would that Could that have been part of the problem? This is Carol speaking, and without with the information that you've just stated, The fact that you now have cochlear implants, I would say that, yes, you probably were not a candidate for whatever those devices were. They were just not appropriate for you. The other uh, point I'd like to make is for individuals who do have low vision or or who are blind if they are meant to wear two hearing aids in other words if they have hearing loss that is hey hey in hey both ears and they only are wearing one hearing aid because that's all they could afford dangerous because again your hearing is important but it's also your vestibular system that helps keep you balanced and having just one hearing aid on can really throw your balance off if you need to one other um point that I'd like to make is if you try one particular type of hearing aid, one brand, and that one is not good for you, you don't like the way it sounds, and the audiologist has tried making adjustments, it could just be that that particular hearing aid the way they program them is not to your liking. The way hearing aid companies make their money is off of their algorithms. The algorithm is 
the information that the hearing aid uses to handle different sounds and each company their hearing aids will each sound a little different one from the other and so you know if you try something and it's just not right don't think that that's how all hearing aids will sound and if you are working with someone and you find that they're not giving you the service that you need sometimes it can be best to go to an audiologist who's affiliated with a hospital or with a teaching institution like a university uh, rather than just a private person i am not saying anything negative about all private audiologists i'm just saying in general if you are having trouble finding someone try someone at a university or a hospital next is 410 ending in 927 um You might say I'm the new kid on the block and that I've just recently begun to explore wearing hearing aids. Um, Just to give a very short version story of my history, um, uh, mom had German measles when she was carrying me. And um, so I was born totally blind and had some other issues. But what we didn't know was that I had a hearing loss because the only thing that it impacted at that time especially when I was in kindergarten, first grade, you know, third, fifth, early adulthood, um, was my inability to hear people whisper. Um, I knew that they were whispering, but I couldn't necessarily tell what they were saying. But otherwise, my hearing was fine. But over the years, you know, I would notice some changes, and I would periodically get um, um, hearing testing done, and, and it would be recommended that I get hearing aids. But I'm like, no, I'm not quite there yet. Well, fast forward to now, and I decided it's time. So I first saw an ENT um, um, who is affiliated with an area hospital. In fact, the entire practice that I go to is one-stop shopping with different disciplines, and it's associated with a hospital. He recommended um, what to me has turned out to be an absolutely fabulous audiologist because I'm the first visually impaired patient that she's ever had. And... um, with each pair of hearing aid that I have tried, she's been very interested in making sure that I'm using the, you know, test trying ones that are accessible with voiceover. Um, and, and if something's not accessible, you know, she's reached out to the manufacturers and said, hey, this doesn't work, that doesn't work, this doesn't work. Um, so the first pair that I tried were okay but not as accessible with the app on the phone. And they weren't as comfortable to wear. These are the behind-the-ear style. Um, and they were the brand Phonak. Um, however, for somebody else, they might work very well, so not criticizing them. They certainly, you know, gave me an idea of what it would be like to wear one. The second pair that I'm wearing now that I'm probably going to go with is Signia. Uh, the app is much more accessible. The battery life is tremendously longer than that of the Phonak. 
And even with this pair, there have been some bugs here and there. And she's keenly interested in making sure that everything works to the degree that I need. Um, so every time I go in for her to tweak something, we've had discussions about, okay, what is it that that's not working on the app with voiceover? And she'll, Ilma, can talk. She will email the manufacturer and say, hey, this is a problem. And what I really appreciate about her is that she says, you are my instructor because in the future, if I have another patient who is visually impaired or totally blind, I will be better prepared to serve that patient. So it's been a very, very positive experience. Next is Loli. Thanks. It's um, Lolly. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, I've been thinking about over-the-counter as I'm com- coming up to the end of the warranty on my current pair of hearing aids, which I've had now for about three years. Um, I did try uh, a different brand before I got this uh, pair that I have. Um, and found that while that brand was great for speech capture and was really good for conversation, um, what I found with the pair that I have, and ironically, the pair that I'm, I'm using now are, are Bonex. So it, it really does de- um, depend on your loss and on what you are looking for. So I still have good speech uh recognition and and ability to participate with conversation. But the thing that made me choose this brand was something that I haven't heard too many people talk about, and that's echolocation. Um, Carol, you talked about traffic, which is obviously important. But I also think that, and I've I've talked with audiology students about this as well, um, echolocation is so important and we rarely think about it when it comes to dual sensory loss. We can still do it. It isn't out of the realm of possibility for those of us who are not yet in the severe or profound category. And so um, that, along with music and conversation, are, are sort of the three things that I look for in terms of trying to make certain that the audiologist I'm working with understands that those are the things I need to um, I need to make a pair of hearing aids work for me. And um, to me, echolocation also has to do with safety. So I, I, I just um, uh, noticed the difference in the two brands that I tried and the first one didn't have quite the range in terms of accenting those higher sounds that one needs to capture when you're getting good echolocation. So uh, I just mentioned that. And I've, as I come up to thinking about getting a new pair, I will hold on to these uh, still because they're still useful. They're still um, definitely usable. And I may stick with the same brand or may not, just depending because technology changes, the manufacturers update what they're doing. And um, I have 
I'm about two versions back, and so we'll see where where I end up. But I I appreciate the presentation. I'm glad to hear about some of the um, cautions. I have a friend who's gotten over the counter AIDS, um, and this person does music, and so it's been interesting to me that they are finding that the over the counter AIDS do what they need for that particular use. Uh, they also are uh, have dual sensory loss. So at any rate, I just I add that piece to the discussion. Thanks. And Scott? Thank you. A great amount of information uh, today, and I appreciate it very much. I wonder, is it possible to successfully use only one aid uh, if you have normal hearing in your other ear? That was my situation when I was evaluated a couple of years ago and was given a Starkey in the ear model. And I, after trying it for almost all the, the trial period, I just felt I, I couldn't get used to the whole idea. Um, should I have tried another brand? Is this uh, something that's worth doing? I have moderate to hearing, uh, moderate to severe loss in the right ear. Any comments would be appreciated. This is Carol. So uh, for individuals who do have normal hearing, no hearing loss in one ear, you can use just a hearing aid in that opposite ear. However, I will say that sometimes in that situation, we might, for some people, put a very mild hearing loss on that other ear just so that they can have, and it, it, this is so specific to individuals, so please know that, um, but we, we sometimes do fit a very mild hearing loss on the other ear. If you have no hearing in one ear and good hearing in the other, we can use what's called a cross, C-R-O-S. And what that does, it takes sound that occurs on the non-functioning ear and just brings it over to the good ear to that hearing aid. I hope that answered your question. Eve? Great presentation. I really appreciate it. And um, Scott's question was one that I had because I'm kind of in the same situation. So I appreciate your uh, insight on that. Um, I think you pretty much convinced me that uh, I need to see an audiologist, not go for an over-the-counter hearing aid. But my question is, um, since probably seeing an audiologist, I'll probably be the first blind guy that they've ever dealt with. Do you Can you offer any guidance as to which brands of hearing aid, uh, the apps, that's what I'm most concerned about. You know, what apps are more accessible than others? Uh, uh, do you folks have any, uh, any insider comments on that? This is Carol. And just to be clear, you do not have to use the app in order for the hearing aids to be functional. So while I do think accessibility and um, is 
really important and having all apps be accessible is important. The most important thing is that you be comfortable with whatever hearing aids you're choosing. So I would say go to an audiologist who is going to give you the ability to try several different pairs and first make sure that you can at least be comfortable with the hearing aid. The app, you know, can sometimes give a little more fine control, but really hearing aids can function independently without an app. And just so everyone knows, most hearing aids now are Bluetooth ready and will connect to a cell phone without having to use an intermediate device. And you don't need to use the app to do that. You just have to connect to the Bluetooth. This is Carl. I will say that you know, I have I have the app that comes with my phone, but I have never used it, and not because of accessibility, but because um, I just would rather go to the audiologist and work on fine-tuning the training, the tuning of what I need done in the hearing aid there. And like Carol said, I have no, I mean, I my iPhone worked with my hearing aids all the time, and I wouldn't be able to use it without it, and I did not need an app. You just go into accessibility setting, you know, um, depending on what kind of phone you have, either hearing devices or if it's Bluetooth, you go to Bluetooth, and you just pair it the way you would a normal Bluetooth device. So um, it's not that the app isn't relevant, but I tend to go to my audiologist if I need to play with the settings and and change the way things are done. Timothy. Thank you, Jeanette. Uh, Yeah, Carol, unfortunately, I missed the first part of the presentation. I had to attend to something, but I've I've got um, moderate to severe hearing loss in both ears. And about five or six years ago, I went through Costco and tried many different hearing aids. and, And they said, you've got a reverse slope. And it's like, huh? And they suggested I see a doctor. So I did. And I was working with the doctor for a while. I had Phonak for a while. I went to Oticon. And it's like they they can never tune it to the point where I can actually hear people speak very well. So I end up taking them off. I I was wondering, is there a particular hearing aid company that's... um, I, you know, better for working with people with a reverse slope. Um, that's a huge problem of mine. They give me open domes, then closed domes, then slightly open, and it's, and it just never works. It, you know, um, it's way too much echo. It just, all I can do, I can hear the uh, clock ticking. I can hear the air conditioning and the refrigerator, but I still can't hear people talking. Um, that, that type of hearing loss, Timothy, can be difficult to fit. Um, I won't recommend one brand specifically, but I will say try again with different audiologists and sometimes having a custom earpiece helps because 
it just directs the sound better and, you know, it might be able to get more fine-tuned than just having the open dome. Next is Pierre. Yeah, um, my question is, if I go to an audiologist, what's the odds that she's going to prescribe me an 850 Dollar pair of bows instead of a six or ten thousand uh, dollar hearing aid. This is Carol speaking, and not all audiologists are working with the hearables or the over the counter. Um, so it really is going to depend what what the audiologist, what brands they work with. And Carol, your next hand is Linda. I really appreciate the presentation. Thank you so much. Um, I have moderate to severe hearing loss on both ears with the right ear being the better one than the two. You know, can't hear out, can hear, can't hear out out of one ear or whatever they say about the eyes, you know, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) blind in one. Oh yeah. Deaf in one ear can't hear out the other. That's it. Um, so anyway, I use um, Audibell uh, Edge uh, 2400 AI hearing aids. You know, they're uh, in the ear, you know, and I the kind you just, you know, I have a charger with it. So anyway, I'm happier uh, with these than the ones that I had when I lived in Florida. But um, I have, okay, I've used the app, which is, not accessible for the most part. Um, but I do use it like when I go to CVS with my provider and I use mask mode, even if people aren't wearing masks, because it makes the uh, speech loud enough for me to hear my provider when she got her back toward me looking at something. And that does help me. And I'm, I'm always bugging Starkey. <laughs> and my audiologist about making things more accessible uh, to the point of nausea. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to um, and and also the background noise, though, I can never seem to resolve that issue. And I do have a mic, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, that somebody could wear, but it doesn't completely eliminate the background noise and i'd like to also know about neck loops because they say that uh the audiologist says i have one built in but i don't know how to access a movie theater or play and be able to uh have audio description where i can hear it and see it properly this is carol so neck loop um is used with the telecoil, T-E-L-E-C-O-I-L, the telecoil setting on a hearing aid. And the telecoil was originally created because back in the old days when we had very heavy and very strong um, telephones, the the large telephones, when you would put that phone receiver up to your ear, your hearing aid would start to whistle. And so the telecoil 
instead of using the hearing aid microphone, the telecoil is an electromagnetic device that will only pick up signals from an electromagnetic device like a phone receiver. Nowadays, however, the telecoil can be used in public areas so that if there is something being broadcast and you switch to your telecoil program, you will hear what is being broadcast. For most of the individuals who I work with, I will not only give them telecoil because they need to have access to their environmental information at the same time. So I give them a telecoil plus microphone program. And when you're in that program, if you go to a theater or someplace where they have what's called a loop system, L-O-O-P, system in use, and you switch to your telecoil plus microphone program, whatever is being broadcast will go into the hearing aid, and you can still hear your environment around you. And there are different ratios of how loud one can be compared to the next. So if if you're not sure how to access the telecoil or if you even have it, ask your audiologist. And if things are sounding not quite as you think they should, don't hesitate to bring that up with the audiologist. Um, some of the previous individuals who spoke up sounded like they could really advocate really well for themselves and also help educate audiologists about working with individuals who have more than just a hearing loss. It's not something you're taught in audiology school. So, you know, having you all as good advocates and good educators is really important for the next individuals coming along. I just want to say that telecoil is a function that I use all the time. More and more people are wiring their spaces to have the wires underneath. But even if you don't, you can buy a 30 to $50 or it might be cheaper in some cases, neck loop. I carry it in my pocket. So if I come up to an ATM and I need to withdraw money, rather than taking the hearing aids out, putting it in my earbud, plugging it in, I don't take out my hearing aids. I simply switch to that program, put on the tailor coil loop around my neck and plug it in. And that way I can still hear my environment, but also operate the ATM. Or if I come to an accessible kiosk, or if I go to, say, the ACB convention and they hand me an ALD, I can simply plug in the telecoil loop. So if you're hearing they do have telecoil capability, I think it's worth investing personally 
on a neck loop and having that with you. So that if you come to a device that has a headphone jack, you can even plug it into your computer and use it to listen to a screen reader. You know, so it it's worth having if if you can invest the money to do so. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I want to thank uh Lori for facilitating. I wanna thank Carol and Carl for presenting. Uh nice job. And Joanne, if there are no more questions then go ahead and give the uh closing code. Thank you, Karen. I am going to repeat the code twice. First time. One six zero six two. Second time. One six zero six two. Okay. So I I just want to say thank you so much to Carol and to Carl. I I want to say we had a really great group of people here today, and um, you know this for anybody that you may know, it, this will be podcasted as well as, along with everything else uh, from convention. So uh, feel free to connect people to have a listen. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you again, everybody. Thank you.